when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. And then Steppenwolf steps on Superman's head, and it pops out. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, hey, guys. Oops. I forgot that I hit the button. Sorry about that. Uh, Hey. Uh, Just unhear that if you haven't seen Justice League yet. Rewind that. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Uh, Whoops. Where were we? Uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, To the introduction. Hey, feelers. I'm Patch, and alongside my best friend, Aaron, I'm bringing you another mini-sode, courtesy of the Feelin' Film Podcast. Uh, good evening, sir. Oh, hello. Um, yes, I'm here. Good evening. <laughs> Do we need to start over? Cause... Nope. Okay. All right. Well, tonight this we're what, gonna... This is what they get. This is what they get. Okay. If this is your first episode listening to Feelin' Film, we apologize. You'll have no. to download another one now to hear us for the real version. Listen to the BVS episode. It's pretty hysterical. Um, anyway, tonight we're going to discuss Agatha Christie's often adapted book to film, Murder on the Orient Express, directed by and starring uh, Kenneth Braga. Brad Bradnick. How do you pronounce his name? Brana. Brana. Kind of like Piranha. Piranha. Rhymes with Piranha. Rhymes with Piranha. Done. All right. Well, so <laughs> it also stars Johnny Depp, Daisy Ridley, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Josh Gad. Penelope Cruz, Leslie Odom Jr., Willem Dafoe, and a handful of other people potentially accused of murder. This should make for a good conversation. And based on how we started, I hope it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really get any worse. That, that's true. Unless we hear gunshots or people yelling in the if background. If you do hear gunshots in the background, listeners, I apologize. That's just my roommate killing Nazis on his, uh, on his PlayStation. So it's not real. <laughs> Thanks for qualifying that on his PlayStation, because that would just not be okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, as we often do, this is a podcast best listened to if you've already seen the movie, because we do talk spoilers. So you have been warned. And with that, uh, let's get started. All right, Aaron, this was a movie that I think we both were looking forward to. It was one that wasn't necessarily like tops on our list of like, I've got to see this, but when it, uh, when it debuted, uh, at least through the trailers, I know I was intrigued by it. I have not read the book. Um, I don't know. Have you read the book? I had not. Well, I, I have not still. So no, okay. I have not read the book. Okay. So going into it, what were your expectations and uh, and what were your kind of feelings coming out of it? Well, this is one that snuck up on me. I didn't even know that this adaptation was being made until the first trailer dropped. And when I saw it, I got excited. I thought it looked really cool, very stylish, love Brana typically, and this had an all-star cast, so of course that was a, a big plus in our, you know, idea of what this might be able to achieve. And then the the, the biggest thing for me getting excited about it was that my 14-year-old daughter saw the trailer and said immediately, Dad, I want to go to the screening with that, with you for that one. And that was the first time that she has ever done that. She's ever claimed a movie, so to speak, because we get to take plus ones. And that got me excited about the movie. So after that, I watched another trailer and I was like, all right, this looks good. It's supposed to be one of the best murder mysteries ever written, which intrigues me. Somehow I've made it to 38 years old without knowing the story. 
I'm not going to get spoiled. I'm not going to read the book. I'm going to let this be my murder on the Orient Express. And I get to experience it with her. And so this is going to be really cool. And uh, I was really excited about it because of that. And it was a, it was a fun time getting to live through the hype with her. And then also, you know, ex- getting to experience it together. Yeah, I was, I was excited as well. This is one that I'd just like you had only heard about in terms of the story. And Agatha Christie is the queen of, you know, mystery whodunits. So having this, I guess what we call most recent adaptation, I know it's been adapted several times, um, come to our generation. I was very excited about it. And, and the cast alone was really intriguing just to see kind of how this group of actors that I actually enjoy individual roles from, from each of them in other movies. So all of them really stand out to me as like, Oh good. I'm glad I like, uh, I like Johnny Depp and I, I like Daisy Ridley. And, um, I was even reading a little bit of trivia where Josh Gad was trolling Daisy Ridley on set to try to get star Wars secrets from her. So it didn't necessarily inform my enjoyment or not of the film, but going into it, I just kind of had that in the back of my head. Like you know, Josh Gad's probably in the scenes that he's not in is probably trolling somebody and saying, Hey, who's your dad? Is it, is it, is it Luke? Who is it? And I just, that, I, that may, I bet you they all were. I mean, he also, I also saw that Josh Gad became good friends with Judy Dench over, really? you know, the course of the filming of this, which, doesn't really surprise me. I, I think Josh Gad would be friends with anyone. And he gives warm hugs. He does give warm hugs. He's one of these guys that I, <laughs> as I, I, I know. So, I'm sorry. Just let it go, man. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Okay. <laughs> I really, I like him quite a bit. I remember seeing him for the first time in the, uh, the movie 21 playing the the nerd that he is he was one of the supporting actors but he's just he's just a likable guy i would think that he'd be fun to hang out with and just you know just hang out and have fun but um but i was looking forward to this quite a bit and uh i i i as i left the theater i remember thinking because i went to it with my wife and this is one of the rare movies the rare times that we go see a movie together and she said what'd you think and i said that wasn't the movie I expected and I didn't have high expectations for it. So I don't know how that makes me feel. <laughs> what about you? What were, uh, what were your feelings coming out of it? Well, I was pretty disappointed coming out mm-hmm. of it. Um, I would say that I liked the movie. I did, I did like it. I did enjoy mm-hmm. my time with it, but I felt like there was such a better movie in there that could have been made by these actors and this director and with this visual aesthetic mm-hmm. that I didn't get. And so I found myself, I found the parts of the movie that I really connected with to be the story and not this film version of the story. If that makes sense, meaning I didn't know the twists and turns of what was going to happen. And that is what interested me. But okay. I could get the twists and turns of what happened in this story in book form or in mini uh, mini series form or in a plethora of other film adaptations um, that wouldn't necessarily be unique. It would just they would just be different versions of it mm-hmm. in a in a you know filming perspective. And so, yeah, I, I came away a little disappointed in it. Um, I I don't know. It might be one of those movies, honestly, that if I watched it a second time and, and I have no desire to go see this again in the theater, but I, I may revisit it when it comes out on, 
you know, streaming or to rent. And it could, I could have a better reaction to it. Yeah. But it, it just didn't, uh, didn't, didn't quite do what I was hoping it would do. Right. I think that there's a lot that was riding on it in terms of being very action oriented. I mean, we're talking about murder. We're talking about lots of suspects and it may be that we are a generation that's been um, influenced by procedural dramas on television. I mean, I know that you don't watch a lot of television and dun, dun, dun. I, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but we grew up with the CSI Miami's, the law and order, those things that are, that are really, there's a lot of drama. Uh, there doesn't have to be a lot of action, but there's a lot of, shock value. My wife and I for for a good while watched the show Criminal Minds. It was really intriguing. It was a cerebral procedural. I don't, didn't mean to rhyme like that, but whatever. Um and I we though the show kind of got a little too much for us, those kinds of shows intrigue me. The procedural dramas intrigue me because you have stories that become the backdrop for character development. And so you have like, what's the adventure this week? Oh, and oh, by the way, we get to know these characters a little bit more as an ensemble cast. And so I kind of expect that going into murder on the Orient express, but then, you know, after watching it, I was a little disappointed too, because I wanted that. I wanted a little bit more excitement. And so it sounds like if it were in a different container, the story is still interesting enough, but if it had a little bit more of maybe a modern day flair to it, or I, I don't know really specifically what would make it quote better, uh, but what? Go ahead. I, I, no, I just I think I agree. I mean, I I just think it just was weird. Uh-huh. I, I really it's it's odd sometimes when the language fails you, but it felt weird. This okay. is Brana. This is typical Brana. So I, I guess I shouldn't really be that surprised because it feels like a Brana film. It felt it felt like I was in an Agatha Christie story, but it was in the world of Cinderella the remake of action Cinderella recently because what happened is it it just had this theatrical nature to it and it almost felt like a stage play at times. Yeah, I could see that. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on and there's not a ton of full on action. I mean, even when we get to the actual murder, we don't actually ever see anyone doing anything. Like we don't, we don't see any kind of uh, murder taking place. We just get the afterthought of it. And so this whole movie, um, the whole movie itself is really driven by dialogue. And what surprised me the most, Aaron, was that it felt like more than just a whodunit story. Now, having never read the book, I don't know if this follows the book. I don't know if the book's tone is really driven by, by our main character. (laughs) Also, uh, played by by Brana, but this movie felt more like it was trying to be more than just a, a whodunit, and it was really trying to give more thematic weight. And I wasn't expecting that. I'm still trying to figure out if I enjoyed that or if I thought it was trying to do too much. Had you told me that the book does the exact same thing, and again, I don't know because I haven't read the book. I may be more forgiving forgiving, or it may feel less weird, but I agree with you. I think it feels like you're actually watching a stage play because it's all about characters. It was really never about the murder itself. It became the backdrop for, for all of these characters to react to in, including, uh, gosh, I can't pronounce his name. Is it Poirot? Poirot? We're going to call him Poirot. Air Q. Poirot? Poirot? Poirot. Not Hercules? 
I'm just calling, I'm just calling, calling P dog or whatever, uh, De- detective P. But, um, anyway, I look at, I, I look at this film as really more of a character study than an actual whodunit. And if I look at it that way, I think it appeals to me more, but, um, but I know a lot of people did not respond that way because of the fact that they wanted kind of intrigue and finding out more of, you know, figuring out who actually did the killing. So I want to kind of dive into just a real quick technical um, thing that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Brana is interesting in this and in that he both directed and starred in this. Now I know that there are p- folks out there that, that do that. They both star in a film and they direct and as an actor and a director, do you think that he hit A pluses for you? Do you feel like being a director deterred from his acting performance? Do you feel like acting deterred from his directorial style? Just giving your opinion, what did you think? Do you think he was hitting on all cylinders in both camps? I th- I think he did a fantastic job of making the movie that he wanted to make. Okay. Honestly, I mean, he's... He's, I love him as a director. I, I like his style typically. And because I love the theatrical nature of what he does, mm-hmm. you know, that being his background, it just doesn't work in this movie for me. I, I think that there's an energy that's missing in, in a big way. And when I think of a story like this, did we ever mention that spoilers? We're going to, we're going to spoil this movie, by the way, and yeah. we're going to spoil the story. So, if you don't know the story of Murder on the Orient Express, please don't listen any further. Uh, please go watch this movie or watch one of the other movies or read the book because it's actually a really cool story I, that I am I was very pleased by and I enjoyed. Uh, so I would highly recommend that. But don't keep listening to us because we will spoil it. Okay, pause, 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 pause. You're turning us off. You're turning us off. Okay, now. So the fact that we have such a unique murderer in that it's not one person mm-hmm. to me lends itself to an escalating feeling of t- intensity as we're going through the process of Poirot, you know, talking to different suspects and getting closer and closer and closer to discovering the truth. That's how our typical mystery thriller goes. But in this, I didn't get that sense. There were a couple of scenes where there was some intensity to them during the investigation, but for the most part, it felt pretty low key and routine. It just, I'm going to talk to this person and then I'm amazing and I'm brilliant and I found something out and now I'm going to talk to this other person and find something else out. And it was just, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't have that, you know, upward momentum to it. And I felt like the trailer told me I was going to get that. I felt like, you know, cut two shots of the train its momentum was was symbolizing that, but I didn't feel it from the actual investigation. Yeah. And so then when we have the scene where someone's running and he's chasing them, by the way, Poirot looks like he's about 65 because he's Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. So it doesn't it just doesn't even look right to me when he's like action star chasing guy across these, you know, these uh stair these barely standing up stairwells, wooden stairwells underneath the train tracks. And it felt out of place. So it, it was, the, I guess it was just like a tonal feeling that did, didn't work for me very much. And so I, I wouldn't say that he directed it poorly because I liked, 
I liked the performances that I got, even though they were short and little snippets of different characters, but I, I, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. It, I thought it was fine from, I think he's a, from a directorial standpoint, I think he did great. That scene felt out of place for me too, because it felt, it felt totally different from the rest of the movie. And if I, if I really think about what this movie is trying to be, and this was kind of what we talked about with Thor, that if I go into Thor thinking, oh, this is going to be a comedy all straight up. And so I don't need to take X, Y, and Z very seriously, then I can forgive a lot more. If I think of this less as a whodunit and more of a character study, then all of a sudden Poirot on his own, feels like a really interesting character because I'm getting glimpses of his motive of his, I mean, we can tell that he's been doing this for a long time and he doesn't. And, and while he, he's at the, it's, it's weird because he's, he comes across as potentially arrogant. I'm the greatest detective in the world, but the thing is he is in this world that we, that he lives in that, that we're introduced to. He actually is. He's not just spouting it off because it's almost like a burden he's carrying because throughout the film, he goes back to, I guess his wife, Catherine, is it Catherine? I can't remember exactly, but I think it's Catherine. Keeps, I don't know if it's his wife or a love, like a long lost love it, or but what, it, but, it, but it's, a, but someone who he adores and we don't get that. We don't get if she's alive, if he's going to go see her, but throughout the film, I felt like there was a, there were these just moments where he continued to articulate that, what he's doing as a detective, he's just ready to hang that up. He's ready to be done. And so thinking about it from that perspective and then thinking about how he's connecting the dots to not just try to catch a murderer, but to really get to the end of eventually letting everyone go because he understands their motives. He understands why they did what they did. It sort of helps tie all that together. And so I'm more forgiving in terms of my enjoyment and wanting to maybe give it another chance when it comes to video on demand, like you, I don't really want to go see it in the theater again, because I mean, it's a, it's a story that can be revisited without necessarily having a theater experience. This is a movie that didn't need a theater experience to really be enjoyed. Other movies need that. Other movies thrive off that. Interstellar is a great example. It can be enjoyed in both, but it's preferable in uh, on the big screen. This is a movie that I think, like you said, has a great story. It's just, just that. And I, uh, I, I would, I would like to revisit it again at some point and, and see if my opinions change. And right now it's kind of sitting mid grade, like I enjoyed it, but I wasn't disappointed that I did enjoy it as much as I did because I got something different that I actually kind of liked. And the, the characters themselves and the, the progression of understanding and finding out more about these characters and how they are related to the Armstrong family was kind of interesting to me. Oh, I didn't expect that. Oh yeah. That's very interesting. And, and I wouldn't mind revisiting either as, like I said, as with, or like you said, rather like from the perspective of this is a story about Poirot instead mm -hmm. of this is a murder mystery, because that's what I think got tonally messed up in the movie that that didn't work for me because it, it is, a movie that Brana had his ego. I don't know if it's ego or what, but it, this man, he is in every shot. I think of this film <laughs> and there are so many close-ups and panning shots of his face and him giving monologues. That's what I mean by theatrical. It felt like 
he was starring in a theater play and spotlight was shining down on him and blackening out the rest of the the stage while he gave his speech. And that happened over and over and over, it seemed to me. And I just, I, I guess I, I didn't expect this to be a movie about the detective mm-hmm. as much as I thought it was about the crime. And it turned out to be more about the detective in many ways right. than it and was I, the crime. And I don't think that was, I don't think that was, um, unintentional. I think, I think Brana wanted that to be, and whether it's his ego or not, I think that he wanted to star in it for that reason, because it was just a, um, it was, it was a story about him. Now, again, not having read the book, I don't know if that's the case. I do know that in the movie at the very end, there's hints to another Agatha Christie story. So I'm not sure if Poirot is the central character in all of her books. He he is in most of it. He and Miss Marple, I believe is the name. Those two okay. are frequent, frequent characters in the long game of the many, many Agatha Christie novels. So I do know that. Yeah. So what's interesting to me is if the books themselves and listeners, if you guys have read these books, please inform me if the books themselves are really more focused on the story itself then that's an interesting turn that Brana wanted to do is to say, Hey, you know what? I found there's an interesting layer of Poirot that I want to explore. And so I'm going to put more emphasis on him than on the actual murder. And if that's the case, then I can totally get where you're coming from and saying there could have been more substance to the story. Like if we looked at the plot devices, if we looked at the whole plot itself Someone gets murdered. We find out it's more than just one person. Hey, that's kind of interesting. Um, the way in which we find out these things, how they're all connected. It feels, it feels like we're watching or playing a game of Clue. Like who, like so-and-so did it with the candlestick and the blah, blah, blah. But in this case, it's so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so all did it because they're all connected here and here and here and here and here. Um, and when when I look at it that way, I kind of want to see another version, not directed by Brana, but someone who is more in tune with the mystery side of it, more with the suspense side of it. I'd almost love to see an updated version of this murder on the Orient Express for a modern day. Now, from a character standpoint, I don't know that you can get that, but I think the the plot points are generic enough that you could update it for a modern as a modern tale, at least make it an inspired by and adapt a new type of story, bringing more of that suspense to it. I, I would like that as well because I, I actually thought that this was going to be like Clue and that it wasn't. And that like hokey or like, like, no, I mean, I thought or? that, no, I thought that's how we were going to be. I thought it was going to be more like a clue where we're really digging into, oh, it could be this person with this and in this manner. And I didn't feel like that at all. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't get that sense from it. I wasn't constantly going, oh, it's the butler. And then we interview somebody else. Oh no, it's maybe it's the conductor. Oh gotcha. no, oh, maybe yeah. it's the There's, maid. I didn't have that direct, feeling, yeah. you know, and that's what I expected. You know, we have 12 characters. They're all suspense, suspected. And I felt like I should have that sense of constant questioning about who the character is. Now, instead, I figured, I figured out pretty quickly that this was tied to the family in some way. Mm-hmm. And it, it just didn't give me the surprise factor that I, you know, was, was hoping for. 
some of the acting, some of it was fine and, and okay. I mean, I, it's hard for me to judge it because people just didn't have any screen time. I wasn't able to really feel like I got to know or grow with any characters. I mean, Daisy Ridley maybe is on screen a total of speaking, maybe five minutes tops. Mm -hmm. if, If that, um, Johnny Depp, I'm just, I, I'm tired of Johnny. I'm tired. That's all I got to say about that. Like, I'm just tired of Johnny Depp being a gangster. Like it's, it's another Johnny Depp gangster role and there's nothing new or unique to it. Mm. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really blown away by anyone. I liked Willem Dafoe, uh, in, in his brief one investigative scene where, you know, he gets to when he switches accents and we find out who he really is, that, that was fun. So I liked him quite a bit. And Judy Dench is, is fine. So it was, it was just fine. Like the whole movie was just fine for me Mm -hmm. when it comes to all of that. I did. I liked the cinematography a lot. Dude, the cinematography. It's gorgeous. I I literally could have just stopped the film at any particular point, cut it out and put a picture on my wall. It's just very, it's stunning. Uh, Those shots of the, of the train, whistling through the the mountains with the snow i was like "Ooh, it's like polar express only it's about to have a murder you know that kind of thing and so i just it was beautifully shot and and i agree i I think i think where not frustration but where my disappointment comes from is the fact that it turned into a one-man show it was really all about poirot and i think going into it knowing that i don't know that i would see it i don't know that i would go see murder on the orient express and it's not that he wasn't interesting because i think that his character arc was 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 interesting to me and as i walked through his story i felt a little empathy for him and wanting to at least in my opinion he wanted to be done with what he was doing like so he leaves the train and then he immediately is beckoned to another case and i don't and it's almost like oh yeah you know same song uh, next verse. It's just time to move on. I, I almost feel like he's kind of sighing on the inside and going, okay, let's just do it again. I'm the greatest detective. I guess I'm the only one that can solve this. And I, I don't know, there's some kind of burden that I guess you could, you could say comes with that, but I don't know that that's enough to carry a story for me, especially when you have the potential for a, a, a potential misdirection all the way through the film. You mentioned that you said, Hey, you, you don't get dialogue that lends you to believe, oh, it's this person. And you go, oh, no, 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 it could be this person. Oh, no, it could be. You didn't get that feeling. You got just a progression of like, okay, I'm talking to this person. Oh, here's some more information. I'm talking to this person. Here's some more information. I never thought that either. I never thought, oh, it's going to be Josh Gad's character. Oh, it's going to be Willem Dafoe. Oh, it's going to be, yeah. I was never shifting like that. And I think that's part of the enjoyment of whodunits is because you're constantly questioning mm-hmm. your own, because you're the detective alongside our protagonist, right? Exactly. And, and this is not what, uh, what Brana did. Brana was like, I'm going to tell his story and the background is going to be this whodunit. And yeah. so I definitely felt there was more emphasis on one character over the actual plot of the film. Exactly. Me too. And I, and I, you know, I guess I can see a little bit of the tortured nature of him and wanting to be done and wanting to get out of it because he tells us that, but it, conflicts with the ego shown in the character. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's accurate to the books. And it's very much like Sherlock Holmes where he goes out of his way to explain and tell this intricate tale of how things went down. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets this whole, it's again, theater, that opening scene, Poirot goes through this 
annoying sequence of making someone bring him perfect eggs, which, which honestly set me off on the wrong foot with the character because I was like, okay, I don't like you at all already. You've, you've, you're ticking me off because you're being self, you know, you know, it just, it, ugh, ugh, it was, it was, it was annoying. And so then he goes downstairs and he goes outside and I had already figured out real quickly, like it must be the cop. That's the only solution. But then he has to go through this long explanation and, and explain it. And he's got this big crowd around him and he's putting on a production, right? To the point of like sticking his cane into the wall and then trying to get everything set up so that when the guy runs, he'll of course trip himself by, by running into the cane. And that was like, okay, there's ego here and you are very proud of people knowing who you are and what you do. So you may say you want out of the game, but even when he introduces himself on the train in that iconic, you know, scene from the trailer and he says, my name is Hercule Poirot and I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. Like you're telling us over and over that you're probably the greatest detective in the world instead of just showing it to us. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see it. I want you to do detective work and me to go, oh my gosh, wow, look at these guys, look at this guy's insight. Like, that's pretty brilliant. Instead, I felt like he told me over and over and over and over. And it may be the character. I don't know. So I just, I just, I thought that was a Brana esque type of thing to do. And so it was probably a directorial choice. Well, I'm sure it was, especially if he's the one actually saying the lines. I mean, he chewed up every scene that he was in with dialogue. But the other thing that I picked up from that is that if I'm going to take the approach that Perot is is essentially going, not that he's tortured and he wants out, I think some of that's there, but I'm, I'm, at, a, I'm at a place in thinking about his character and going, okay, he's been doing this for so long that it almost makes sense for, it makes sense for me for him to just say that, yes, I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. He's almost saying it just sort of- Nonchalantly? Just, nonchalantly it's it's not ego it's just it's like he's stating a matter of fact like yep i'm the greatest yeah but and you don't that's the point you don't say that as a matter of fact though patrick you you say I, that when you believe that you are something greater like you are get, you need right. to tell these people you no, can't just say hey i'm Hercule Poirot. i'm a detective i'm gonna investigate this case no you have to specifically call out your I greatness I agree with that. But if he would have said i'm a detective and i'm i will solve, i'm gonna try to solve this case the the tone of the movie would change completely because then it shifts to the case. When he says to me, when I, when I heard him say, I'm the greatest detective in the world and I see his character play out to me, that feels like he's just saying, this is the burden I carry that this is all I'm known for is just being the greatest detective. And I have no other life apart from this. I want to, I want to give this up, but this is who I am. And I'm just kind of, it's, it's like this weird ego yet reality of saying, this is who I am, and I've accepted the life that I've been given because of the nature of who I am. I can't apologize for who I am, and so I'm just going to accept it. And yes, I do agree that there's a ton of ego behind it, but I don't think it's him announcing that to say, I'm going to solve this case. That's my motive. I think it's him saying, look, here I am. I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. This is just another day on the job for me. Hmm. I mean, not once did I feel like he wasn't going to solve the case, that he was going to get stumped. Nope. And it wasn't because, but it wasn't because he stated I'm the greatest detective. It was because throughout the film, he never gave me a reason to doubt. And it, but it was never about him solving the case. I think it became more about him trying to figure out, I don't know, more about himself. I agree. Yeah. His arc, his arc, just like we said, it permeated the whole thing and it was, 
really felt like the focus instead of the whodunit. And the trailers misdirected that. The trailers made it feel like it was going to be a whodunit. It was going to be a, mm-hmm. is it you? 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 And that was not the tone of the film. And so right. we had went in with, again, we talk about all the time, but we went in with the expectations that were not the one, you know, the movie we got. Well, you did get misdirected then. So there you go. But <laughs> I do want to talk about the story because the story of the Armstrongs and the way that this all plays out is brilliant. And I, that is what I connected with. And that's what I loved about it is in the end, when all of the reveals are done, I enjoyed the idea of what was going on. Even if I didn't enjoy the performances and the way it was given to me as much, the concept here of it's not one killer. It's the entire train is in on this and they've all got some tie to this, this uh, mobster uh, because of what, who he's murdered in the past. So they're mm-hmm. all seeking revenge and they've somehow all worked together seamlessly to make this one place, one time thing go down. Now I simultaneously feel like it's way unre- unbelievable um, <laughs> and that this would never happen. But I emotionally connect and resonate with it because of how powerful it is and because the, the thought process of, of all of these people wanting justice. And specifically, if we were going to have a connecting point, I'm going to call this out because it's weird, is that my connecting point really might have been when we finally got the scene that shows us why there's 12 randomized stab wounds. The fact that everybody was stabbing, I see you're doing the motions. Everybody was stabbing and you've got different weights. You've got different strengths. You've got people crying. Um, and, and so that's why that, that was, you know, how he was killed. And so that would have been my connecting point and it would have been my most morbid one ever probably. So I'm glad we didn't have to do that, but so you took a, you took a stab at it and you, you, you left. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But, but really like the, that con conceptually. And then leading up to Poirot making the choice to give and see, I'm going to be terrible with character names. I'm going to pull a Patrick. I don't even know the character names. That's probably the problem, part of the problem here. But Michelle Pfeiffer's character, the madam, the, the matriarch, mm-hmm. when he gives her the gun, knowing that she's probably going to either try to kill him or kill herself. And of course she does try to kill herself and then fails. That's a powerful moment to me mm-hmm. because the real, first of all, she's actually just Anytime someone tries to commit suicide and fails, like they've willingly been ready to take their own life. And then all of a sudden they've been gifted and granted life back. The mental thing and emotional thing that must be happening inside you, I can't even fathom. And she pulls that off brilliantly in her performance, what she, her breakdown, I felt. And I thought that was pretty amazing, um, by Michelle Pfeiffer. And I, and I liked that part of the story and then leading into Poirot's problem of what do I do with this? Right. Do I turn you guys in? Do I let you go? I've never done anything wrong in my life. And now I'm faced with this moral quandary, this matter of justice. And it goes, he's said it earlier in the film. He's talked about right versus, he said there's right and there's wrong. There's nothing in between. And mm-hmm. now he's faced with this situation that essentially is the between. And so that all of that, all of that meat, man, the actual story, like that's where I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I absolutely did too. That that whole scene at the, I guess the makeshift table just in front of the tunnel, which I don't know if you picked up on this from a cinematography point of view, but the shot of the 12 of them, the wide shot looked eerily like the Last Supper scene where you had several characters. I'm, I'm going to say that I was did. I did notice that. Yeah, it would have to be. 
And I was just kind of saying, okay, where's Judas? Because who's the one that did this? You know, when you finally, re- you know, before we finally get the reveal that everybody was in on it. And I, I asked that same question when it came to the slight absurdity of how could this have all come together? You know, Pfeiffer's character said that she planned, I was glad that she, they added that piece of dialogue for her. She said, yeah, I planned this. I got these guys and I did this. So we get a little bit of the telling, okay, this is how everybody got on the train. Like they didn't leave it to just some random, uh, some randomness that everybody just happened to be on there. That would have kind of thrown me out of the film because I would have said, no way you're going to get 12 individuals who are somehow connected to this family on the train to do exactly what they did without somebody planning it. And I was glad that they gave her that dialogue to be able to kind of affirm that. One of the questions I had was really about, and you know, like you, I can't remember the names, the, the guy that basically ran the train uh, that he met early on, who got him, gave him passage. Um, I don't remember his character's name. Yeah. I don't remember any of the names and that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, he's Poirot. He Poirot has known him as an acquaintance from the past. Right. He got Poirot onto the train. He was the he basically ran runs the runs the line. Okay, did he was he involved in the killing? Yes, he he okay. got everybody in place together. Then what was his connection with the Armstrong family? I think right. I see. Maybe he wouldn't what... because why would he have bought brought Poirot on the train? Exactly. But so I maybe I he did. I thought I saw him in the scene taking a step. Wow, taking a stab, uh, killing, yeah, literally taking a stab at uh, Depp's character. I thought I saw that. Wish this I knew. Is I, I don't gonna, know. When it comes out on on uh, on home video, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out because I thought I saw him in the train car, and that didn't sit with me because I'm like, he's not connected to the Armstrong family. Why would he have that motive? So, okay, hold on. Now we get to play detective. In the beginning, when they meet at the train station. Hmm. And he offers him passage. Yes. He does so by kicking someone else off of the train that would have been in that cabin. So there's yes. somebody else that would have been in that same cabin, right? Or did they get on late? No, because it was the – somebody showed up late. Did well, they acor- Did they eventually get the, on the train? According to the rule, the person that didn't show up 30 minutes prior to his departure lost his place or lost his – cabin or something mm-hmm. but the other thing i'm thinking is were they the i guess they were the only 12 on the train because that's the only the, no they were only ones in that part of the train in the fancy rich part of the train that was the okay. setup so where did the other people go were they just sitting in their own train car that whole time while the train was derailed i would or, assume was... so that was that was a question i had like where's the rest of the people on this train it wasn't a 12 right. person train but it, no. but it treated it like because there's the scene where he specifically calls out, okay, we're going to investigate just you people because it could only be someone in this train car gotcha. or in this this area that did this. Yeah, but yeah, there, you that, never see anybody else. It's almost like they don't exist. So that's what I'm saying is if there are more people on the train, then that person that lost his spot was in. You know, it, it didn't matter. He was in. But my point is, if he was scheduled to be in the same area as these people, he would have had to been in on it if the train manager was part of the deal. Yeah, I don't think the train I don't think the train manager was part of it. Honestly. I thought I think he was oblivious to what was happening. And so I think he was too. Otherwise he so, would have been acting brilliantly. So I need to so if once we get a chance to see this again, I'm gonna skip to that scene and find out if he was in the room with them doing some stabbing. And if he was, then that would make sense to me. And I'm gonna 
make a phone call to to Brana and say, don't do that. Don't confuse me like that. So, but until then, <laughs> we will review other movies and hopefully have more conversation. But if you guys want to continue this one, you can always catch us on social media. You can find me at Shoeless Patch at uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, S H O E L E S S P A T C H. I've asked some questions. If you guys have the answers, please feel free to direct message me or talk to me in the Facebook group. I'd love to hear not only your thoughts on the film, but also help me answer some some questions that I have. Aaron, what about you? Where can people find you? You can find me all over the internet at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else you could possibly think of. You can also find me tweeting out of the Feelin' Film Twitter account and very active in the Facebook group that we have. So we'd love to have you come and join that. You can find links to that in the show notes or on the website. Very cool, man. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, like we said, love to hear your thoughts on this or any other movies that we've covered. Uh, In the meantime, as we always say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film.